0: Radioinfluence.com Why Crusher,
1: it's good to see you.
2: You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Cruchel. Get in on the talent grid and text crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks.
3: Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Grishel here. Listen, I'm really glad you could join us this week because we got a really big show as the Crush War on Sugar returns with a vengeance. This week, we talk with Crush favorite Dr. Anne Deweese Allen, the chief of biomedical research at the Glycemic Research Institute. If you've heard Dr. Allen on the show before, you know what's in store. Get set for a deep dive into the true science of nutrition and how your body and brain react to the food and beverages you consume. This week, we're going to take a look at why the glycemic index is so important, so misunderstood, and incredibly underappreciated. Why? All calories are not equal. A calorie is not a calorie. We're going to get to the bottom of it. And the implications of the glycemic load and the insulin index. Sounds very sciency. Well, listen, all of this stuff is critical for truly fueling performance and it goes much deeper than we first realized. We're talking about bio and brain energetics, energy metabolism, and the very latest on metabolic coding. The science on how your brain and body respond to the fuel you consume. Basically, we're going to cover what you need to know about the food you eat and how it impacts your performance in sport and life in general. And we're gonna get some expert advice on things you can do right now to fuel your brain and body for top performance and just for better health, just feeling better every single day. Cause listen, that's what it's all about. And it's really sounds kind of sciencey, but at the end of the day, it's incredibly simple. You just have to know this stuff. And that is exactly what the Crush War on Sugar is all about. Just sharing knowledge, digging down deep, and frankly, visiting with some of the top minds in the world when it comes to nutrition and how your body reacts to the food. So listen, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks about today's show or anything else that's going on out there, you know, this incredible COVID shutdown environment we're all in has been very, very challenging. And you all know that we've been framing it up as an opportunity to attack the things we wouldn't normally get to if it were a business as usual. We're all incredibly excited to see professional sports sort of rumble to a start. Fingers crossed that it all goes well. There are so many factors here, so many things to consider, especially when it comes to health and safety. At the end of the day, that is priority number one. It is incredibly important. I think just to society in general that we get sport back up and running. Um, it'd be great if we could all get out and just play sports. We know that a lot of the uh, minor league sports and developmental sports have been shut down across the board. We're seeing tournaments. We're seeing just a few baseball uh, activities going on in certain pockets here and there. But for the most part, um, it's been shut down for all the kids. And it's been challenging for everybody to have professional sports, to be able to sit down and cheer for your team and watch the guys and the girls play the sport at the highest level. That's really important. But we have to weigh the pros and cons here. And that's what's going on right now. You see the NHL and the NBA operating in sort of their bubble strategy. And I really like this strategy. I think it might be one of the better ones out there. A little concerned about Major League Baseball. They're going to go uh, with regional teams. They're reconfiguring the the divisions and who's going to play who. Um, 60 games in, what, 66 days, something like that. So it's going to be a tight, compact schedule. Uh, They're really cautioning the guys to be careful, of course. In the stadiums, it's going to be easy to control. It's going to be what happens after the fact. What are the families doing away? And then what are the guys going to bring to the ballpark the next day? A really big challenge for Major League Baseball. I kind of wish they would have looked closer at sort of the performance bubble scenario, like the NHL and the NBA are considering. uh, Because it just seems like... It's a little more control of the environment. And you could get the families involved here. I know that's a big one. Um, Major League Baseball, there will be players who might be at risk for certain health reasons who won't play but will get paid. Love that. Um, There's also players who just feel it's maybe a little unsafe. Maybe they have a child or a family member who might be at risk and it's just a little too much for them to commit to play. They're still going to get paid. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how it all rolls out. We'll just have our fingers crossed that it goes well. Now we see even before baseball started their training camps, um, players and staff testing positive Texas. They had some front office people test positive. So people are leery about getting back to the office. They want to work more remotely from home. Cool. Can they do it? Yes, I think so. And if they can, let's get it done. Uh, we also see some of the players and staff from the blue Jays, the Phillies, and a couple other teams testing positive Detroit. And I think maybe the Mets had a couple positive tests. And as they start testing their players, we're going to get a good idea of who's been exposed. Um, Testing is going to be critical, just like it is on a regular basis in society. We have got to test, 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 and test if we're going to beat this thing. And listen, we have got to be responsible. And that's going to be the big thing for Major League Baseball. When these guys leave the stadium, they are going to have to be incredibly responsible. Going out to restaurants, maybe going out to a club or or meeting up with family and friends after the games. These guys get done late. You know, they got to wind down. They go do things. They're not going to be able to operate like they normally would. And there's 101 pages that outline all the guidelines, restrictions, and rules that MLB and the Players Association are putting in place. It's going to be really interesting to see if they can pull it off. I personally have my fingers crossed. I mean, we see what's happening overseas. We see in Asia, we see Korea and Taiwan playing baseball. And I think there are some crowds even involved over there. Social distancing in the stadiums. Uh, We see uh, in Europe, soccer taking off, no fans in the stadiums, but they're getting it done. Um, I think it can happen here. I think, you know, the concerning point is, you know, we see, especially in the Southern States, a massive spike in the number of cases of COVID-19. And, um, that's going to be concerning. Should Major League Baseball avoid those areas where the numbers are on the rise? I know some of the spring training complexes in Florida have been shut down. But I still get back to that bubble, that performance bubble scenario the NHL is looking to. A couple of hub cities, get the teams there. Now, they're looking at playoffs. They're not looking at a big total season with the entire league. So it's a little different scenario for both the NBA and the NHL. But there was talk early on about Major League Baseball taking, you know, five or six teams to a certain city and having those teams play a series against each other. When those when those teams are done, boom, they go to a different city and they'd meet different teams. At least that way. In a certain city, the fans, you know, the economic impact would be there. Uh, economic benefits would be in the city, especially if they could float around. I don't know if they could do it to 27 cities. But... Um, if they could think of some way to get this performance bubble, to control the environments a little bit more, ah, could it be done? I, mean, I know these guys are smart. They have thought of everything. So uh, this is the way they're proceeding. And let's have our fingers crossed. Because, listen, I again, I do really believe that having professional sport operating is just good for us. I mean, even if you're not a sport fan, sitting down watching a ball game. You know, watching a playoff game, cheering for your team, the kids, you know, watching their heroes playing—it's really important, especially now with everything else that we're missing. So, um, fingers crossed, everybody. Uh, Pro sports is on the way. Let's hope for the best. And if you are out being active, proceed with caution, of course. Uh, And if you've been shut down again, let's take the let's take the let's frame it up. Let's take our sort of mindset that we've had entire this entire time. Let's look at this as an opportunity to get better. Look, some of our athletes have come such a long way. We have attacked things that, you know, we've put off till next off season or that we were looking at to address maybe a year or two down the road. We are so ahead of schedule. I can't wait for some of these athletes to get back into action. When the vaccine comes up and when things return to normal, and it's going to, don't lose a day. You know, Jim Fannin a couple of weeks ago on our show, what a fantastic couple of months we've had on Crush Performance. Jim Fannin said something though, that's just resonated with me ever since. Never have a day that you haven't had. And what he was thinking about and talking about there was make sure before you go to bed, you know what you want your tomorrow to look like. You know what you want to get done tomorrow. Make sure you know that if you write it down, write a list, it doesn't have to be detailed. It can be, it can be incredibly detailed. You can even have the times you do stuff on. But if you have a general idea of what you want your tomorrow to look like, You can go to bed at peace knowing that you're going to wake up tomorrow with purpose. That's really important. You should do that regularly. Never have a day that you haven't had. Oh, you'll get so much more done. There's been such great, great interviews. If you want to go back and listen, Chris Woodward, Dr. Joe Baker, all right, we've got Jacques Dallaire, and today of course, The Crush, War on Sugar Returns. So stick around everybody. When we come back, we are going to get into it with Crush absolute favorite, Dr. Andoise Allen, on the Crush Warren Sugar right after this. Stick around.
2: You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at CrushPerformance.com. Now, back to the show.
3: And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Kershell here. I am really glad you have joined us today as the Crush War on Sugar returns with a vengeance. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. If you have a question or if you need some help with something, let us know. If we don't have the answer, we'll find it. And if we like your question, there's so many great questions coming in. We may dedicate a segment or an entire episode to your idea because if you're having that question, you can imagine how many other people out there are having the same question and that's what the show's all about. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Jeff Crush. That's Crush with a K. And on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, search out Crush Performance and we will hook you up with the world of performance. All right, today, the return of the Crush War on Sugar. It's been a long time coming and I'm really, really excited for today's show as we introduce... Crush all-time favorite, Dr. Andrew Allen, the chief of biomedical research for the Glycemic Research Institute. Dr. Allen, welcome back to Crush Performance.
1: Hey Crush, how you
3: doing? Very good, Doc. Very good, Doc. Well, listen, it's been a long time since we've talked to you and there's no better guest to have on as we uh, relaunch uh, the Crush War on Sugar here as we, you know, talk about all the things that are going to help people operate pro- properly in, in daily, regular life, but also for our athletes as they look for ways to tap into human performance. So, so, so glad to have you on. How have you guys been making out in these incredible, turbulent times we're in right now, Doc, with the the COVID shutdown, and everything else we're dealing with.
1: Well, you know, if if I can find something positive in all of this, it's that it's really driven me to do, you know, research because, you know, you really can't go out a lot and do a lot of stuff. So, you know, what do you do? Okay, I'm going to, I I dig in more on, you know, research. And really, we're in some incredibly um, amazing times right now in terms of science Um you know, as, as as I've said to you before, uh, science has finally come up to the plate, right? Just meaning, especially in baseball, that that's your area of expertise and genius, I might say. You would never admit that, but you are. He's a baseball bioenergetics genius. Um, and the thing is that science has finally, in 2020, come up to the plate by explaining the mechanisms that – Either improve sports performance, reduce sports performance, a uh, metabolic fuel, and that field is called—it's a brand new field called brain energetics. Well, we've been doing that for a long time, but we never knew it was brain ener- energetics. We just knew it was metabolic fuel in the brain and the information highway in the brain. Okay, but now they have a- all of the synaptic changes and the neurons and the astrocytes and how they work. You know, five years ago we didn't have that data. Ten years ago we going. What are you talking about astrocytes and metabolic fuel? And what the hell are you talking about? Right. Yeah, okay. But now it's definitive. Okay. The, the, the research and the studies that they've done examining the brain and metabolic fuels that um, are either reduce athletic performance or increase athletic performance. And it's black and white by what you eat or drink, right. Aside from what you do. So, your, your expertise is what they do, right? Right. It's bioperformance. Okay. That's your thing. But in my area, it's inner space. Okay. So outer space would be, you know, outer space equals MC squared speed of light stuff. Right. Sure. But inner space is what's going on inside the brain. Okay. Um, and it turns out, you know, after all these years of doing our clinical research that, you know, the, the the brain is in more control than we thought, okay? We knew the brain's smart, but we didn't really understand um, what the brain does. And when we came up with the term switch the brain, switch the game, okay, that's all good and well. But now all of the clinical research at NIH and, you know, um, Harvard and Yale, you know, I mean, has has showed the adib- the actual – a highway f- a metabolic fuel pathway. We didn't understand the pathway because you got to have, you know, a lot of money like NIH has to study the brain and say, okay, how is this affecting uh, sports nutrition and sports activity and athletic performance? Well, it turns out that it's everything. Okay. It's 99% of the game. We used to think, okay, maybe you know, the brain and its input on the information highway sending messages to the body about glucose and lactate and, okay, lactose and stuff like that, right, and glycogen. We're like, okay, that's all all well and good. And we're thinking, okay, it has a, you know, reduced capacity for talking, which is really brain interjection and coding. Coding basically is the newest and hottest topic in sports nutrition and nutrition in general for performance and that it really determines what the brain is being fed, what the fuel, and how it translates that to the body as a metabolic fuel. So the brain is a computer that runs everything. Let's just face it. It runs everything, okay? And as a computer, the brain has to – you have to pay attention to it because it runs everything, okay? So the way that the brain talks to the body and about the metabolic or fuel it's receiving from your mouth okay from your mouth what you're putting in your mouth it's a sports beverage it's a drink you know it's whatever a big piece of ham whatever it is okay (laughs) that brain is going to make a decision okay so being able to design metabolic fuel think about it if you design a brain energetic metabolic fuel that the brain says, ooh, me likey that, that's good. I'm going to give you some energy, right, because it's all about energetics. Well, the field of brain energetics has to do with how does the brain generate energy um, from the metabolic fuel you put in your mouth, right, right. and from t- taking out a muscle glycogen or whatever. What's the pathway? So if you don't put the metabolic fuel in your mouth, And it goes into the bloodstream because that's how the brain sucks it out. Now, remember, the brain, turns out, is a hog. It's a hog (laughs) for fuel,
3: right? Right, totally.
1: Um, And it's very interesting to look at how the brain uses fuel and how it gets really pissed if you don't give it fuel, okay? You're going to get cognitive Mm -hmm. decline, right? And, you know, we're working on the research in metabolic fuel and gamers, people that work on a computer or gamers, right? And we're seeing what their the brain requires from them as metabolic fuel, which is crazy. So not just in sports-specific, right, drinks, okay, and beverages and things that are sports-specific metabolic fuel. It's not just that. Now we're able to really... Biochemically designed metabolic fuels based on brain energetic. Now that whole process of having the information highway from what goes in the mouth, you know, from how much muscle in the body, from you know, where it goes and how the brain interacts with that metabolic fuel to provide energy, is called coding. And that coding addresses the brain in crosstalk. The crosstalk really is, is, is defined as, OK. The brain wants this, okay? It's like a spoiled child. Give me my candy,
0: right? (laughs) Right. You don't
1: give the brain its candy. It's going to get mad. Now, how does it get mad? It gets mad by shutting down things, okay? It shuts down energy. It shuts down um, cognitive function. um, And as I said, in in looking at at the brain scans of MRIs, fMRIs in gamers who don't move, right? They're not moving. But they have huge brain um, sucking up of energy, right? Because the brain is using uh, like 20% of all the energy that they take in to fuel what they're doing, okay? And we have it down to the exact number, you know, how fast it moves, the information highway, and how many calories that these gamers use. But we're talking about an animal, A mammal that doesn't move that has to have specific fuel in the brain or they start losing cognitive function, okay? So no wonder, look at this, no wonder the best gamers are 16, 17, 18 years old, right? Right. When everything's running really cool and really tight, right? It's running at maximum performance. But if you get into your 20s, 30s, and 40s, right, that, that fuel selection strategy has to be more and more and more important. So now we're talking about an athlete, say a gamer, who doesn't move, right, versus, you know, a, a baseball, football, whatever, who are moving at, at substantially fuel-burning rates, right? They've got to have fuel. Now, if the fuel isn't right, In terms of fuel partitioning, you're not going to get the results you want in sports nutrition. So you go from an athlete who's not moving, sitting in his chair, God knows what, he's drinking or eating, right? Probably a bag of potato chips, right? Which is not going to supply any fuel that helps him improve cognitive function. That's great when you're 16 or 17, right? okay you know but in a few years your brain's going to slow down because you're not activating that information highway and giving the brain the fuel that it needs now what's amazing what's amazing is how the brain communicates with the body okay that right there is the information highway that right there is is coding. Okay. So you have to figure out what is the brain saying it wants versus what are you giving it? What kind of fuel and fuel partitioning are you giving it? Okay. So the body needs a kind of separate kind of fuel. Okay. We all have different glute pathways, all have different glute pathways, which are going to determine its effectiveness. Okay. Of what you eat or drink is those glute pathways, which one they take and how fast they are. Now, with the brain having 86 billion neurons, which are nerve cells, right, they communicate with each each other by sending chemical and electrical signals. So each neuron is connected with other neurons that across tiny junctions called synapses, right? So this information highway... Um, which moves, this is fascinating, it moves at a rate of between one pot mile per hour to 268 miles per hour. Well, I would prefer the 268 miles per hour in my brain, and I'm sure you would too. And athletes need that faster response time right from fuel because what happens? Somebody throws a ball, and the pitcher throws the ball. Somebody's got to hit that ball. If you don't see that ball coming, And that's all cognitive function, right? How fast the ball is coming, how close it is to you, how can you hit that ball, right? That's all about baseball. You don't hit the ball, what's baseball? People stand there, they don't hit the ball? That's (laughs) going to be boring, right? Right. That's pretty boring baseball. Nobody's going to that game, that sad sack game, right? (laughs) So the whole point is, okay, in athletes, like baseball players, who are really, really good, Babe Ruth, okay, this is evolutionary genetics, right, in the brain. His ability to utilize fuel and have it cross the synapsis into utilizable fuel and cognitive function that says, if you think baseball players do need cognitive function, you're crazy. Because that is one of their number one um, performance criteria for hitting that dang ball.
0: Sure. Right? Sure.
1: Throw the ball. How fast can you see it? Can you see how fast it's coming? How fast do you think it's coming? How can we hit this ball? All of that. Is cognitive function. Muscle, the muscle involvement doesn't happen until they actually hit the ball.
3: Yeah, okay? it, it's interesting, right? So, it, yeah.
1: If that information highway isn't giving the muscles the fuel it needs, right, you don't hit the ball very hard. But more importantly, if you're talking to the, the brain and brain energetics, you better have that brain working at maximum capacity. It doesn't matter what sport you're in. It doesn't matter. You have to have that increased capacity for lipid oxidation in the muscle mitochondria to be able to do anything, okay? So if you're looking at all of that maximal substrate fluxes, okay, that are going on between the brain energetics conversation coding, so to speak, between the brain and the body, you better have your act together. Now, what if you're a gamer? What if you're you're a professional? What if you're in the MLB, right? Okay. What if, you, what if you're one of the top baseball players in the world? Does it not make sense to have a pre-designed metabolic transport system of fuel that fuels the brain and the brain highway and the glute system for maximum response time?
3: it makes total sense. It makes total sense. And I think it's one of the things that has been missing from day one here. And you know, the interesting thing, this is kind of like a spiraling effect here because there's one thing we know about the brain. And when you're training the brain, is it it responds like the body very specifically to the stress. So you, let's take the gamers you mentioned, for example, like I can't we probably can't calculate the the number of communications that go on in the brain, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in a fraction of a second, even when these guys are going yeah. full tilt. Yeah. But we do know that their brains adapt to the stresses they're in. So wouldn't that be interesting to see, you know, if the brain is adapting a certain way, requiring a very particular type of energy? which, you know, we, until recently, really didn't understand. Um, as the brain becomes more specialized, it would require even more to maintain and increase performance. Yeah. I mean, it just,
1: it's yeah. incredible. The, the smarter you are, okay? You know, they they found out, they have figured out um, why Einstein was a genius, okay? it's And I've always wanted to know that, okay? Well, they've mm-hmm. finally done it. They've micro-examined his brain, and it's the glial cells, right? The glial cells are moving at a faster rate. So geniuses, like Einstein, that are called dynamo geniuses, um, they have – their glial cells in their brain are moving at this incredibly rapid rate. They're just firing and firing, and they never get tired. They keep – when he's asleep, they're firing when he's awake. That's why Einstein used to sit at the window in the patent office and stare out the window for an hour, and they'd go, hey – Einstein, what are you doing? Go back to work?" And he goes, "I'm working." They go, "Well, you're not working in the, you know, on the patents. What are you doing staring out the window? The, you know, those glial cells were firing so fast, right that his, his brain, in terms of translational chemistry, was going nuts. So we know that there's a way to get the glial cells to perform better, okay? Now, one of those is what's really interesting to me, because I've been a glycemic researcher my whole life. Okay. So when you talk about, uh, the glute transporters of sports drinks or, or whatever you're drinking, but particularly like in sports drinks, okay, they need to be, here's what we know. If you want to access that information highway, okay. Um, and, and, and have the brain talking to the body and, and, and really kick it up about a thousand percent, You have to use a glute transporter that is not insulin-dependent, okay? Mm. And those that are not insulin-dependent, okay, which really screw the whole thing up, the body and the brain, are those that have a low glycemic blood sugar status, okay? So the metabolic actions – um, of a proper fuel in a sports drink, especially a sports-specific drink, one for baseball, one for football, whatever, one for gamers, okay? Include the extrusion or the sucking up um, of, of fuel from the blood, right? On different glute pathways, right? Which right. are, I, one of the best ones, it's an isoform pathway. But the whole point is, it has to be low glycemic. Now, here's, Here's, here's some really cool stuff, okay? You want to talk about – let's get this backed up. Okay. United States government website, okay? Clinicaltrials.gov, the National Institutes of Health, NIH, the U.S. Library of Medicine, published at a government clinical trials website. High glycemic elicits hormonal events that limit availability of metabolic fuels. How about that? Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Which means yeah. a sports drink that either has no calories or no carbs, which guess what? No calories, no carbs, no performance. You might as well just drink water, okay? It says that it has to be low glycemic. Now, it has to be insulin dependent, which means that that sports drink has to have a low insulin index and a low glycemic transporter and has to be low glycemic with low glycemic load, okay? Or you're not going to access that correct biochemical and metabolic uh, transport system, which re- results in performance, sports performance. So the metabolic fuel um, is controlled by that a high glycemic event in the brain, which means you drink something that's high glycemic, and it is insulin-dependent with a high insulin index. You get metabolic fuel-reduced availability. It's not rocket science, okay? So what it means is the capacity to match metabolic fuel, right? Right. That you put in your mouth to the changing rates of energy use, and that's where sports-specific drink comes in. So different animals, right? Animals don't eat the same thing. You know, some are vegetarians, some are meat eaters, some like cheetahs can run fast as hell, an elephant can't move that fast, okay? So animal life, animals, depend on the capacity to match the metabolic fuel supply, what they're eating, to changing rates of energy use. Now, in athletes, the capacity to match metabolic fuel supply, to change the rate of energy use, to make it faster, you don't want it slower, right? Right is based on the fuel that you put in there that is not insulin dependent and is low glycemic. And a story. No more argument.
3: <laughs> well, you're not going to get any arguments for us. We're talking with Dr. Anne Dewey Salen, the chief of biomedical research at the Glycemic Research Institute. Listen, over 30 years of board approved clinical trials and tons of other incredible work being done. Doc, it's always fascinated me. Um, this lack of understanding uh, when it comes to the glycemic index. I've been acutely aware of the glycemic index now, probably for 20 plus years, you've been uh, one of the groundbreaking researchers on the glycemic index for our listeners who don't understand what it's all about. Here's an interesting story. I want to tell you doc, you know um, because we're we've been working on some very, very interesting uh, um, um, products and, and some solutions and strategies for our athletes. And one of them revolves around the glycemic index, talking to some of the nutrition. For professional sporting teams. You know, we had one, one, um, um, nutritionist uh kind of jokingly say well hey this is low glycemic what is this a sunday afternoon it looks more like a sunday afternoon tea drink low glycemic than it does a performance drink just an incredible lack of understanding out there when it comes to the glycemic yeah, but index. Yeah aside
1: from that I would have ripped her head off like a paper doll.
3: <laughs> I know, but here's here's what I've decided. I can't get mad at people for what they don't know. So that's why we're doing shows like this. Like let's let's try to educate people because moms need to know, parents need to know, coaches needs to know. You know, athletes need to know this stuff because we have now got the research as you mentioned right off the top we have got to research the numbers and we have the knowledge now but we're still not making adjustments it is time doc it's time and that's part of what the war on sugar is all about we can't keep ingesting the same stuff and hoping for it's insanity it's, its definition of insanity yeah, I remember right? what
1: the definition of insanity is keeping doing the same thing every time and hoping for a different outcome
3: right <laughs> Exactly. So Doc, maybe for our listeners and for everybody out there, uh, if -hmm. we, you know, you mentioned some really, really important things. And I think people might not understand how important they really are. The glycemic index, a calorie is not a calorie, the glycemic load. And you also mentioned the insulin index, all of these things are tied together. If we had a better understanding of what those, those uh, components of nutrition are, we could probably, well, we we know for a fact, we can fuel our bodies properly for what we're trying to do, because we cannot fuel, as you said, you can't can't fuel a cheetah the same as an elephant it's insanity
1: it's insanity and and you're totally right you know the 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 baseline of brain glycemic indexing okay Mm -hmm. and brain energetics and um using fuel sources that are specific to energy use right or you start at one point right you start at one point and that point is it has to be low glycemic Low glycemic load and low insulin index. Start there. Now, the, the interesting thing is for, for those that, you know, aren't going to read boring research like we do, like we do. Right. But an increased demand for insulin, which is what we call insulinogenic, contributes to the development of type 2 diabetes and beta cell exhaustion. Beta cell exhaustion. Not good if you're an athlete. Right. Okay? Uh, so then, we also know that it seriously pisses off the brain and leads to cognitive decline and all these other things. And they're relating it to Alzheimer's, which is fascinating. But so, can you start there? Okay, you start with a fuel that is brain friendly. Okay, you start you start building. Say you're 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 building a a specific fuel, a metabolic fuel, right? For fuel partitioning. Okay, and you're an athlete. Okay, and, and you're having your chemist build this thing. First, you start with, okay, low glycemic load, low glycemic index, and low insulin index, okay? All right. So then you say, okay, wait, this can't have a lot of, you know, fat-storing carbohydrates or whatever. It has to be natural. Um, The worst possible thing you could do is drink a sports drink without any specific low glycemic and low insulin index carbs in it because your brain can't use that you might as well drink water okay right um that makes sense uh, or or ones that have artificial sweeteners in the brain doesn't know what the heck that is It goes, what is that and what it does is if you're going to drink a sports drink that has artificial sweeteners in it it's going to tell the brain to release insulin thereby giving it a high insulin index because why artificial sweeteners are up to a thousand times or 14 times sweeter than sugar the brain doesn't know that it knows the bricks b-r-i-x which starts with the t1r1 and t1r2 receptors in the mouth hello okay and they send the message the first message to the brain like oh no that's not good spit that out we don't like that that's bad news right but at the same time humans are addicted to really sweet stuff, right? right? Or we wouldn't have artificial sweeteners. We love sweet, right? And and that's because what the brain thinks is, give me something sweet, right? Like an apple or a peach or pear, and you've given me some carbohydrates, right? And so it's happy la la la. But the brain goes, I don't know what you're doing. You're giving me you're going to eat a thousand, right? Say a 1,000 potatoes, okay? So the brain goes, okay, I need some insulin to deal with that load, right? And so it starts putting out insulin, which is the death hormone. And I won't even go on to what excess insulin does, but it's bad news. Aside from type 2 diabetes and beta cell exhaustion on reducing sports performance, and we could go on for five years. Yeah. Okay, but you can create a fuel, a metabolic sports fuel, that has the same amount of low glycemic carbohydrates as one apple while maintaining a glycemic index that's lower than an apple by half. Think about that. Half of the GI of an apple in a sports drink. Come yeah, on, man. What right. supplies the carbohydrates that you need. Okay? That's what we can do now in science. Now, high glycemic beverages cause a spike in the blood sugar levels, which trigger that insulin to be secreted and so does an artificial sweetener. Okay. Okay. That then goes and proceeds to the sugar in the blood and that causes a spike in insulin secretion. So it's a nasty thing, but when it hits the brain, the brain's like, Oh no, it's looking at the bricks level. Okay. Bricks meaning the the sweetness intensity. Okay. We are hardwired as humans evolutionarily. Okay. Since since the dinosaurs left the planet 66 million years ago, okay, (laughs) from the mammals that crawled up out of that asteroid, hit and went, okay, we're in charge now, right? That's been going on evolution since, you know, the Earth began. The Earth started creating mammals, okay? So when low-glycemic beverages are consumed, or items, the sugar is slowly absorbed into the body in a time-release form, and those blood sugar levels rise gradually. So an appropriate amount of insulin, so people go, I'm going to take insulin to get muscle mass. Well, you idiot. Then you're an idiot, because that's not what you do. If you eat a low-glycemic food or beverage, that creates an appropriate amount of insulin. And that that particular carb is promptly taken up by the tissues. That's what you want to happen. Um, create the proper amount of insulin. When people go, oh, no, high insulinogenic creates protein. No, it doesn't. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, okay? As you know, I work with the World Powerlifting Federation to determine the protein – Requirements and the protein thresholding in an animal, a human animal, that could squat 650 pounds and lift 1,000 pounds, right? And weighed, you know, 250 pounds or 160 pounds, right? The point is fuel partitioning. We've been working on fuel partitioning starting with the World Powerlifting Federation in the 1980s, okay? But it isn't until now when we were able to create very, very specific. Sports-specific fuels and partitioning to say, okay, we're going to build this sports drink or we're going to build this food or we're going to build this beverage based on these parameters of, of brain energetics. Oh, Dr. Allen,
3: I really, really like this idea of specificity. Targeting the energy for the energy demands. It just makes so, so much sense. Let's get into it a little deeper. We gotta cut out for a quick break, everybody. Uh, We'll be right back with more Dr. Allen on the Crush War on Sugar right after this. Hey, everyone, if you listen to Crush Performance, you know that we've been attacking this new shutdown landscape we're all in as a huge opportunity to get better. For our athletes, we're attacking things we wouldn't normally get a chance to address if it were business as usual. And for the coaches, performance and medical staff, the front office management, and everyone else in between, and for me personally, we've been pushing education, learning, and getting better through knowledge. There is so much information out there. How do you know what to look for? Well, there's a secret weapon for learning new things and getting ahead. It's called Blinkist. And it might be the most useful app on my phone. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into 15 minute summaries that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly. So you can start using the information right away. There are over 12 million people using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists and the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. For us, Blinkist has been an important part of our performance toolbox. They have 27 nonfiction book categories with over 3,000 titles of some of the best regarded must-reads ever published, and they have range, with books on mindfulness, leadership, motivation, or if you just want something new and interesting, Blinkist has you covered. Take leadership, for example, something we're very passionate about. If you search leadership on Blinkist, you'll get introduced to incredible titles like Leadership Strategy and Tactics, or The Leader's Greatest Returns, or titles like Future Shaper, and The Languages of Leadership. And each title has a fantastic summary that's broken down into quick information-packed blinks that you can read in 12 to 15 minutes. We love everything about Blinkist so much we want you to give it a try as well. So here's what we'd like to do. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash crush and try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash crush with a K. To start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off your subscription, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash crush. You know, we're huge believers in the power of thinking big. Blinkist has big ideas in small packages. Check it out and start learning now and stay tuned. There's more Crush Performance coming right up.
2: If you have any performance questions, comments, or smart remarks, text CRUSHER at ten twelve sixty and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, here he is, the CRUSHER.
3: Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody, and the Crush War on Sugar. If you have questions, comments, smart remarks, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. We answer every single message we get, so do reach out. Today, we are talking with Dr. Andruise Allen, Crush favorite, And Doc, uh, just before the break, such an incredible conversation. And I like the idea of this because this whole idea of being able to target and calibrate uh, the energy – Um, really goes along with something we're we're approaching right now this idea of of you know taking the different athletes and fueling them the way they should be again goes back to that idea you can't fuel each athlete the same way but you cannot use the same fuel source it's not a matter of just using less of one one fuel source that doesn't give you the right outcome this is actually a pretty complicated game we're talking about but the fact is it's doable
1: Oh, it's so doable, okay? And, and a perfect example is, you know, the, like, let's talk about three completely different areas. Inner space, outer space, outer space. Mitigation of the side effects of microgravity in, in um, space, during space flight in astronauts, okay? Sure. That's even in the whole field of, of of metabolic fuel, right? That is, it addresses, and now you go from that, from astronauts and um microgravity over all the way to gamers right now gamers are going to need a, a different product okay for because they ain't moving they're not moving they're not you know burning up muscle gl- they're not moving so the operative pathway in receptor signaling right yep uh, which is brain energetics are looking at the sugar-sensing cells in the brain. And that participates in glucose homeostasis, which is big, and the regulation of glucose transporters, okay? And we're not talking about glucose that you drink, because that's out. We're talking about glucose that's produced in the body by carbohydrates such as low glycemic carbohydrates, right? Right. So, what we here's what we do know: complex regulatory mechanisms demonstrate how the brain and the body, right? Not the brain gut, but the brain and the body, is hardwired and it's coded to respond to nutritional LIMPA. It's evolutionarily coded. Mm. Okay. So, as a result, the feed field of coding and nutritional biochemistry. The CNB and sports science mandates how effective a brain and body fuel is going to react and provide benefit to the user, to the athlete, right? So in my opinion, it is arrogant to assume that a lack of appropriate metabolic direction in the formulation and creation of nutrition products and sports products can provide maximum beneficial results. As, as such, it is the responsibility— of the nutrition formulation to exhibit sound principles of nutritional biochemistry brain energetics, safe use and efficacy in its chosen field that's the bottom line that's how we get there
3: right well and unfortunately that's not happening all that often we're talking with dr Andrew Allen, the chief of biomedical research at the glycemic research institute and it's not happening that often because i honestly have to say i'm probably gonna oh, i'm taking an educated guess here at best but a lot of people just don't know how to do it, Doc. I mean, this is so new. This is so incredibly new and challenging that it's not a simple formula. You've spent your entire life looking at how the body reacts to the foods and foodstuffs that go into it. And it is a real complex uh dance. The the interesting thing for me, and it's been fascinating because it's it's been something that's that's really been um perplexing to me is you know, about Twenty so years ago, I was just visiting with some of the NBA guys in Toronto. I was a head strength coach for the Toronto Blue Jays, and you know we were just looking at the the nutrition profile and requirements for baseball. And a baseball, of course, is a totally different um, um, activity than Animal, say yeah. NBA basketball. Yeah. And then we we're talking to the yeah. NHL guys down the street there as well. And and of course, there was a marathon going on. I'm going. Where, and 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 then, by the way, we we also got, got talking to some professional golfers. I'm going. Where, where on earth? does it make sense that we fuel a golfer the same as an NBA basketball player or a baseball got player, it. the same as a hockey player? It. It's never made sense it. to me, doc. And it never will. It just doesn't make sense yet. Every product well, you're, out there. You're, you're spot on. You're spot on. Oh, it's,
1: and, and that is, you know, further proven by the research that we did right. Right. On golfers. We picked some of the top golfers in the PGA, right. For yeah. this, for our trials. Right. And we wanted to say, okay, Golfers fit actually into the same metabolic fuel category as bodybuilders and powerlifters. Okay, so if we look at fuel partitioning, right, right, um, and and creating, you know, a super athlete. Okay, we're looking at okay, gamers, right, because they're not moving. Golfers, bodybuilders, and powerlifters—they're in the same metabolic category, right. Which means they don't, they use, that group is a different type of fuel from football, baseball, you know, uh, runners, whatever, okay? Right. Now, the way I like to think about it is that we can create, really, brain energetics, athletic genius, okay? And I like to call it genius only because the body gets really smart, okay? If 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 you fuel it with the right partitioning fuel then all of a sudden, you know, the athlete becomes a genius, really a metabolic genius, okay? And that really is the newest revolution on human brain dynamics. So uh, one of the strategies is, say, for optimizing neurons, you know, which is part of that network um, and involving neurocircuitry, and then brain energy metabolism at the cellular level. Well, you know, the way you get to that functional coding in sports science, it means, you know, designing a beverage, designing a sports specific drink, for example, as as premier, you know, athletic genius in in liquid form. OK, but it depends on what the animal's doing. If you're so we did this research on golfers, right? And we found out that the fuel is so different because they don't deplete muscle glycogen, right? They're, they're right around in their golf carts, right? It used to be different when they walked on the golf course, you know? Right. Babe Didrikson is is one of my idols. She's just – she played here on the golf course where I live. Um, she was amazing because she, you know, won an Olympic gold medal and then went on to be one of the greatest women golfers in the world. So, you know, if, if she was moving. She was moving, Okay you know, we would not say that a golfer is an athlete. They're using muscles, right? But they're just standing there, right? They're not running the whole length of the golf course, really. So so that type of a fuel in a golfer. So what we said is, okay, can we create a fuel that fits into the fuel partitioning role of a golfer? Well, yeah. So we gave it to um, guys that were in the PGA, some of the most famous golfers in the world. I can't name them cause I'd have to pay them. Okay. Right. And then, um, Spalding, uh, put in their vice president to, uh, you know, try the drink. He was a golfer also. And what we saw, you know, uh, 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 in terms of what happened in that, and that was the drink we designed to them. They took it to the PGA and started giving out, you know, to the golfers and said, okay, see what you think. They didn't even know what it was or what was in it. They just knew it tasted Okay. Okay. Um, and they drank it. And so, you know, we, we they said, oh, my God. Oh, is this stuff legal? You know, is this a drug? <laughs> what, what? What's going on? Because we what we did was focusing on improving their cognitive function with a fuel they could use as energy, right? Yep. But also for cognitive function. So they had more energy. They had better cognitive function. Hit the ball better. Now, the guy from Spalding did a hole-in-one at – I, I don't remember. Do you remember what else I've talked to you about? That it was, yeah, some uh, incredible uh, distance.
3: Yeah, it was one of the longest drives Was it a longer drive competition? One and, of the longest. Yeah, and, right.
1: And then he did it all in, also in Asia. Yeah, he had the longest drive in the history of golfing. And you know, even to this day, he's drinking that drink. He calls me up and goes, "Doc, make me up another <laughs> round." You know, okay. So we know that it works, right? We've done it in the largest grazing animals in the world which is world Powerlifting federation and they got plenty of muscle mass okay let's let's but they they, they they're not using a fuel that a baseball player would use now the baseball player he uses cuz he's running around the bases so fuel source a okay one what well, that's one glute transport mechanism mm-hmm. but he needs cognitive function okay so it's like okay if you take away cognitive function from baseball right then you're going to put a blindfold on the guy and go hit the ball, hit the freaking ball. Hit the ball, okay. throw the ball.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hit the
1: ball, throw the ball. You know, I'm yeah. going to put my hands over your eyes, but hit the ball. Yeah. Right. So that's what you're doing to the brain. You're putting this, you know, net over the brain that goes, what? I just want to sit on the sofa because I, you know, that's what I want to do. Um. So it, it, it's like that. So in the human brain network dynamics of neurocircuitry what's the beauty of it is now we're available. Okay. Right. To available to produce these metabolic transport systems in a drink that are completely natural. Why? Because the human brain and body are, are, what do what do they normally do? They are going to make fuel out of what's on the earth, what you can find on the earth, fruit, vegetables, right? we cause we're talking about Carbohydrates that's you know the basic thing in fuel partitioning is low glycemic carbohydrates, so fruit vegetables, you know things like that um I'm using specific fruits that are low glycemic right, right. but that also take different glute pathways so if you analyze the bricks of every fruit right or vegetable you're putting in a sports drink, okay. Then you can predict what the T1R1 and the T1R2 mechanism is going to happen in the brain and the taste receptors, okay? And you can create a drink that's just unnatural. It's natural. You're not putting any weird, you know, plutonium in there like a flux capacitor, right? Which that would be cool, okay? Flux capacitor. That would be super cool. (laughs) Yes. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Because Crusher and I love that movie. I'm the doc, you know. Yeah. He's Marty. Love it. So – you know, in terms of that, we now know how to do that, uh, of what field to create for what animal. Right.
3: It's incredible, Doc. We're talking with Dr. Andrew Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. It's an incredibly exciting time, as you as you mentioned, Doc. And, and for me personally, you know, um, I spent a, a good majority and a major part of my uh, education. In the psychology department and uh, the brain and how it operates has always fascinated me. One of the most difficult courses I ever took was neurophysiology. All the other stuff was, it was Tinker Toys compared to that. But what a fascinating area. And the cool thing is the way technology now has allowed us to better understand image and and see what's happening in the brain real time. It's a game changer. And this is just one example, you know, in the physical world, uh, we have a really, really good handle on, on on bigger, faster and stronger. And I, for me personally, and I know I've talked to you about this before, Doc, um, I, I do believe that the mind and technology are two of the greatest avenues for pushing human performance forward. But when 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 technology allows us to do what we're talking about here now, fuel the brain to perform better. That's incredible. You know, you mentioned something that that really got me thinking early on. You talked about the gamers. And then you were talking about Einstein and how Einstein would sit at his window and just contemplate and think. And, you know, I've seen I've seen some of those, you know, we've talked to like Judith Polgar, one of the greatest uh, female chess players ever. She would say, and, and some of the gamers too, we've actually had conversations here recently with some of the top gaming teams. And after a session, you know, as you mentioned, they're sitting there not doing much, just thinking they are exhausted like our marathoners after a marathon, right? Yes. That's how much energy yes. they're yeah. using, right? Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? Yeah.
1: Because the brain is a glutton, right? right? And the brain has to run on that thinking fuel, okay? The thinking fuel, okay? So what's really interesting about that, and if people want to read about that, what's really fascinating is neural basis of video gaming, a systematic review. Okay, come on. You probably won't read it, but oh, my God. (laughs) It explains, like, which game you play and, you know, how your brain is responding to that. It's like, oh, my God, whoever thought about that? But what we didn't know, okay, we didn't know a lot of stuff like astrocytes and endothelial cells and how they talk to each other. That's coding, right? How do they talk to each other? And how do you create a drink that makes them talk to each other? How do you do that? Well, what's fascinating that we never knew was that the brain – and this is crazy. When I told you this, you went – because you 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 know probably more about ATP than anybody in the world, okay? You you are a scientific genius in baseball, right? <laughs> you, that's what you are. But okay, you you went what when I told you this? I said okay, Crusher, get a load of this. The brain uses 5.7 kilos of ATP per day. The brain, and guess what? And that was based on quantitative image imaging right. of energy and expenditure in human brains. We ain't joking around, right? So it's like. And that's when the brain, when it's just sitting there, when it's sitting there. In a resting it's not moving. state. It's not, yeah, it's not like, you know, in the lab working, all right? So right. if we can take somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson, right, the, the the most brilliant astrophysicist in the world, right, and and then we combine him with a chemist, okay, now you got something right there, okay? So in, in terms of the brain using ATP, it's like, What? Okay, so right. for example, in a gamer's drink, uh, the brain, which is unlike any other part of the body, it just stands alone, runs exclusively on certain fuel, okay, because of what's called strenuous cognitive activities in the brain, all right, and they require carbohydrates, right, for memory formation. Now, if you ain't got no memory, you ain't a gamer, okay, you you ain't, you're gonna fail, right, okay. So as fuel levels, right, decline in the brain, say they're sitting there and they're just drinking water, the levels um, of fuel dwindle in the brain, right? Now, water doesn't contain any fuel. It's it's all great. But we're talking about brain ATP, which is ATP utilization in the brain, um, which occurs in the cytosol. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when when you and I talked about it, you were like, what the hell? Okay, look, the peridium in the laboratory, unlike when I worked for the EPA laboratory, that was loads of fun. Okay, was, okay, let's go with Avogadro's number, let's go with Occam's Razor. Now, Occam's Razor says, in the absence of differences of a predicted ability, the fewer assumptions that are made, the better. Now, what that really means is the simplest explanation is usually the best, okay? We use Occam's Razor in almost everything. But now, Occam's Razor is no good in fuel partitioning, right? Right. Because the predictive ability and all that stuff doesn't, have anything to do with oh my god the brain produces atp via cytosol it's like what okay that's not that's not the simplest explanation so in, in 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 almost every philosophical and even in science we look at occam's razor okay dr phil is obsessed with occam's razor he's always talking about it um and he he always says okay i i can't you know I can't determine what, you know, what's wrong with your brain, but we do know the simplest explanation, Occam's razor, blah, blah. That's all good except if you're creating fuel partitioning when you have to, uh, you know, look at at mechanisms that we never understood before and multiple fluxes of substrates that have to be modulated in order to make a drink. What the heck? (laughs) If you said that to me 20 years ago, I said, You know, you need to check yourself in, honey. Just for a couple of days.
0: (laughs) For a couple of days, for sure. Do some
1: painting. Pick some daisies.
3: (laughs) <laughs> no kidding. Well, I tell you, listen, when we talk about brain energy metabolism, 5.7 kilograms of ATP, that's boatloads of ATP, and that's at rest. Boltloads. It's incredible. Boltloads. Think yeah. about it.
1: You're, you're exactly right. That's a boatload because the the brain is a hog. Remember, the brain is the biggest hog in the body because, okay, where are you going to go without your brain? What's going to happen? It is the master computer for Everything. And what amazes me, what amazes me, if we, we've gotten, you know, this far in sports medicine and sports science and sports drinks and, you know, not up until recently, have we acknowledged, you know, fuel partitioning and brain energetics and all that stuff. It's like, well, what were we thinking that the brain wasn't involved How can you make a sports trick where you don't involve the substrates of the brain that delivers the energy metabolism and regulates it? What were we thinking? And I think we were just thinking... We don't
3: know how, <laughs> right? Or you know, I think honestly, when it all started, we think about the onset of, you know, the sport nutrition world in in me, in, in, you know, in, I guess maybe in in the big picture is relatively young, and our, our I think initially everybody yeah. said, "Hey, let's baby. Fu- little let's baby, right,
1: crying baby, yeah, <laughs>
3: let's fuel the body, fuel, fuel," and that's still the mindset. Listen to me, the mindset in the industry, even for the majority of the nutrition industry. Hey, feed the body, feed the bodies, you know, uh, cut fat, all this stuff. That's it. But, but, but that's only a small part of the picture. And if that picture is not painted properly, it wreaks yep. havoc in the brain. And unfortunately, if you look yep. at diabetes, obesity, Alzheimer's, it's incredibly connected to our, no, it. No, it's directly connected to our diets. And, and we have, we're on the wrong path. We need to course correct. And I think this conversation today yep. is that course correction doc.
1: Right, and the way we have to look at energy metabolism and that information highway of what we call coding between, you know, the brain and the body is we have to look at the fuel variable, right? Um, the energy metabolism required. Uh, that's quite a, a, you know, a complex challenge, but you have to look at the stored quantity of fuel, the energy density, the speed of conversion to ATB, and water solubility, which is the least of your problems. So <laughs> right. what we're talking about is the best thing to do is have to have a, a sort of a, uh, what we would call a time-released fuel, right? right. Uh, but because that, if you have a time-released fuel instead of a fast fuel, everybody thinks fast fuel is good. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Proteins, not good. Everybody used to say, oh, this is a fast protein. It's great. Wrong. We did the human and vivo clinical trials on fast proteins and protein drinks versus slow proteins. And let me tell you, um, it, it, it didn't even come down to a tie. It was the slow proteins, okay, as opposed to the fast proteins. And you can take a fast protein like whey protein, okay, mm-hmm. which is a fast protein, which is not good. Okay, you don't want fast. Okay, is to um slow it down by putting a slow carbohydrate in there right. a slow low glycemic carbohydrate and that actually slows down a fast protein so we took whey protein in the laboratory and we combined it with with slow carbohydrates and it slowed the fast protein down uh, um, and that's that our two year study It was amazing the results but if you look at it if you're trying to 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 look at longer endurance in sports okay then if you create a a slow um, fuel, right, you preserve the body's own carbohydrate reserves to support the activities of a longer endurance. So all those things – Um, suppressing the cellular fatty acid oxidation um, and promoting fatty acid synthesis and all that stuff has to come into play in coding and fuel partitioning in sports drinks. That's the new paradigm.
3: Right. I love it, doc. You know, we have a few minutes left here and you know, of course the entire world has been absolutely turned upside down with this uh, COVID shutdown. It's impacted everybody. Certainly the sporting world from recreational weekend warriors to people just trying to stay in shape right up to our professional guys, doc. And this, you know, as much as we're talking about in-game performance and really blasting it out, this also, like, think about what's happening right now. You know, we're trying to frame this shutdown up as a massive opportunity for our athletes to attack and train things that we wouldn't normally train in in the normal setting. Um, What we're talking about has as much of an impact, if not even more, in training as it does in competition.
1: Right. And we're even moving, you know, we're moving into the immune function part of it. Sure. And that, you know, simulating the NK killer cells, um, according to the published data on viruses, particularly corona, um, which is that isn't let me tell you something, that little sucker is a nasty little virus and it's interesting to note that the shape, and this is just a chemist talk. The interesting thing of the shape looks like a Sputnik, right? Right. If you look yeah. at it under microscope. It looks like a Sputnik with the little spikes on it. Okay, those spikes on the coronavirus are designed to trick your immune system. So the um, the NK killer cells and, you know, the whole immune system goes to attack that virus, like, like it does on every cancer cell in your body. Everybody has cancer all the time. But your, you know, immune system, particularly the NK killer cells, are going in there and going, nah, nah, nah. they jump on the virus, right? They they go, okay, this is round, this is whatever, let's destroy it, you know, and then we'll move on, Okay. Um, when immunity lasts from a short period of time to a long period of time and Corona, it's a short period of time. Now, what does that mean to us? I'll tell you what it means. It means that you have to look at how your NK killer cells and your whole immune system is functioning. Now, as you get older, your immune system is going to get weaker. Now, as Linus Pauling, who won more Nobel prizes than any other human living, okay, um, pointed out and he also discovered what caused sickle cell. One of my areas of research, beta thalassemia and sickle cell, um, Okay, and dysregulated arginine metabolism um, has to do with immune function, right? So if you look at beta thalassemia and sickle cell and those kind of things, those people are in the hospital all the time, especially kids, right? Because they can't increase their arginine levels in their bloodstream because of the shape of the sickle cell, the shape of the sickle cell, which is meant to combat malaria in Africa. Great, that's great, it does, but the side effect is that it causes dysregulated arginine metabolism. Now that kills your immune function. So there's some things we can do. Okay. Right. Some things we can do is take, you know, um, vitamin C, not time released. Okay. Vitamin C in a capsule, not a tablet, right. And it not time released. Okay. And just regular vitamin C with now vitamin C doesn't occur in nature without the sister bioflavonoids, which build the immune system. Okay. You can't take a piece of fruit and tear it apart and just eat a piece of the peeling and go, oh, I got all the benefit of the polyphenols. No, you didn't. Okay. So really the reality is that vitamin C has to be in a capsule, you know, in a nutrition store um, uh, that that has the bioflavonoids. Look for vitamin C, not time-released, with rutin and hesperidin and bioflavonoids. Now, recommended for NK killer cell improvement in function is to take – you know, like two to 300 milligrams two or three times a day, okay? You'll know if you've taken too much vitamin C because your stools will get slightly soft. Well, Linus Pauling found out that uh, in in cancer patients, people with impaired immune function, he would go up to what's called um, the dynamics of vitamin C and the, the really the, the the payload of it. How much can, of how much vitamin C can you tolerate? Okay, and in cancer patients it was really really high, but in healthy people it was really really low. So you know if you take too much vitamin C, if it, you get slightly soft stools, and they found out that if you get slightly soft stools and you back off by about a gram of C, that's where you should stay. So the vitamin C and the root and the bioflavonoids. The other thing is just go to walmart and get some frozen fruit why because the bioflavonoids in fruit fresh fruit degrades in the grocery store on as it's sitting there so don't even let me go into the calculation of how much the bioflavonoids degrade sitting in the grocery store i don't have time for that but just get some frozen little glycemic fruit with blueberries cherries blackberries anything with the word berries in it right and then take that okay and put it in a blender you know, with um, some peach or pear juice, some low thing, or even you can use a non-fat dry milk, okay, or mm-hmm. any low-fat milk and, and make yourself a protein um, smoothie that helps your immune system. Because the arginine in the protein, right, such as low-fat milk or whatever, now, it doesn't occur in, in almond milk or, or soy milk. Do not Drink soy milk. We'll go into that later, okay? Drinking soy milk increases your risk of breast and prostate cancer. Don't have time to go into that. But the almond milks are saying don't have that arginine in them that a regular dairy product would have. Another thing you can do is take yogurts or even fruit flavored yogurts that have low glycemic fruit in them, I think with the word berry, and mix that with your frozen fruit, right? I, Walmart, I don't, I don't have anything to do with Walmart, except I did some research for them. Uh, very significant research, but we won't get into that. <laughs> um, but their, their fruit has a very high level of bioflavonoids because they flash freeze it really quick, okay? So frozen fruit in the blender with a little bit of water, or peach or pear juice, okay, as long as it doesn't have a high glycemic fruit uh, juice in it, right, like grape juice. Okay, and then put some um, some yogurt in it or some type of a, a dairy protein in it, okay, and blend it up. And you have a great immune drink that's practically free. You don't have to go buy something. You can make it yourself,
3: I love it. I love it, Doc. And that's so important in this day and age. And that's something that I think it's not going anywhere. We need this type of information out there. So such great stuff. I really, really appreciate all of your work, your research and all your insights. And and of course, the, your messages as well. Just so good. And and again, Thank to you. kick off again, the uh, crush war on sugar, there's no better way than with Dr. Andrew Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research for the Glycemic Research Institute, Doc. So moving forward we're going to encourage people to reduce the amount of sugar that they consume. We're going to have them be very conscious of the carbohydrates they're they're using and get out there and just be active and and, and take care of themselves, doc.
1: And go with low glycemic.
3: Low glycemic across the board. And that's sometimes uh-huh. if you don't know what to look for that's sometimes pretty difficult, but but stay tuned and we'll help guide you through all that.
1: Well, Peaches, pears, and any fruit with the name berry in it is a fabulous source of carbohydrates, of bio, bioflavolitis in them for athletes and even kids, anybody. Okay, but what, what you don't want to do is don't juice vegetables or fruit. Don't do it because that makes their low glycemic index go into a high glycemic index because it spills into the bloodstream too fast. No juicing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And stay natural with your sweeteners. Let's just face it. That is just becoming a rule of thumb out there. And we talked about it today. Dr. Andrew Allen, what is in store for you? I know the uh, shutdown, we're all still being very cautious. Um, I know you're deep, deep, deep into your research. Uh what's what's in store? What's on the what's the next chapter for Dr. Andrew Allen here?
1: Uh, creating um brain energetics um fuels such as sports. Sports-specific fuels, right? Yep. Um, Understanding what the formulation needs to look like, what needs to be in it, how much of every ingredient needs to be in there to accomplish, you know, what we're trying to accomplish in the information highway between the brain and the body. So that whole thing of brain energetics and coding is being combined. Combined coding, right? If you combine coding like like gamers do, okay, or or like people who who code computers, right? You have to code a computer to tell it what to do. It ain't doing nothing until you code it. So the computer is very similar to the brain. If you don't code the brain, it doesn't know what to do. Love so you it. have to code, you know, you have to have coding for computers and software and you have to have coding for the human brain. That is what I'm what I'm focusing on is the utility. What ingredients can we use? What fruits, what vegetables, what ingredients can we use to build, you know, products that are are, are that that are based on brain energetics and fuel partitioning. And that's what's exciting, whether it's sports or whatever, okay? It fits into the paradigm of a healthy human body, um, but particularly in, in designing different types of fuel for different types of activity.
3: I love it. So, everybody, stay tuned. We will keep you abreast as the uh, saga continues. Doc, breakthrough stuff, incredible information today. You take very good care of yourself, and I can't wait uh, to catch up with you again. We'll do it again soon. All right, Crush. Talk to you later. And there you go, everybody, Dr. Anne DeWeese-Allen, just telling it like it is. Listen, there is no question that you need to understand the principles here if you're going to move forward with purpose. And for nutritionists, dietitians out there, if you're not considering or if you don't at least understand the glycemic index, the glycemic load, the insulin index, and how the different foods react and respond in the body, you shouldn't be in the nutrition business. There is a new sheriff in town, and it's bioenergetics. Listen, it, it was almost 20 years ago. I think I mentioned it in the interview with Dr. Allen there uh, when we started thinking about this. I was over and I was a head strength coach with the blue Jays at the time. And we were over um, with the Raptors. They were just doing their shoot around and we just got talking to some of their performance guys about, you know, their daily nutrition. They were asking us about what supplements we used. I asked them what they supplements they use. And it was like a, a week later, I was talking to the NHL guys and some similar question. And it just dawned on me because we had the marathon going on and we had some pro golfers that we were associated with at the time We were talking to and I was just looking at all these nutrition profiles these nutrition programs that are put together and the the similarities were absolutely eerie it's like um, they were almost cut from the same cloth so to speak and, and it bothered me and that was when I first started considering you know where does it make sense to fuel a baseball player like an NHL hockey player or an NBA player. It doesn't make sense. And it's not just a matter of less of this sugar or less of this carbohydrate and more over here. So basketball guys use more. So let's use more carbohydrates. We tried that. We did the test. We checked the blood. And that's actually how I ran into Dr. Allen years and years and years ago. It's like one of those ultimate collisions where biochemistry meets physiology. And, you know, back in the day, that was, that was the big, that for me, that was the big push for advancing human performance because we could train. We knew about training. We say it on the show all the time. If you want to get faster, stronger, uh, we know about skill acquisition, talent development. We know about this given time and a subject, a player athlete that wants to put in the work and effort, um, we, can, there, we can find out how good that athlete can become. But when we started matching up the biochemistry through nutrition, 24 hours a day, by the way, uh, with our training and the different phases of the year and the different types of training. Oh, well, our results went through the roof. Absolutely through the roof. But the science now has gone to new levels. And Dr. Allen's conversation today just really reinforces that we need to stay on top of it. Now you don't need to be the scientist. You just need to have a really good understanding of what's important. And it is important that you put the right fuel into your body. And again, it can sound really sciencey, right? So um she makes the analogy of how, you know, like uh, I'm a huge back to the future fan. And Dr. Allen makes the analogy there. Like I, I call her doc all the time uh, when we get into our deep conversations. And it, you know, when she was talking about the amount of energy, actually, um, here's a great comparison. Here's a great comparison. Here's a clip from our conversation with Dr. Allen. Listen to this.
1: What's fascinating that we never knew. Okay. You you went, what? When I told you this, I said, okay, crusher, get a load of this. The brain uses 5.7 kilos of ATP per day, the brain. And guess what? And that was based on quantitative image imaging right. of energy and in- expenditure in human brains. We ain't joking around, right? So it's like, and that's when the brain, when it's just sitting there, when it's sitting there.
3: Okay. And here is one of my favorite all time scenes from back to the future, where Marty and Doc Brown are looking back at one of the videos from the future uh, to figure out how to fix the DeLorean in the time machine. And this is how it goes down.
4: I need a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. What did I just say? The flux capacity stores. <laughs> this sucker's electrical. But I need a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of
1: electricity.
2: 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! Great Scott! What? what the
0: hell is a gigawatt? <laughs>
3: Oh, so good. That is just such a great comparison. Just imagine Dr. Allen dropping on me. The first time I heard this, I was just like Marty. What the hell is a gigawatt? Of course, we know what ATP is. Like It's a very important part of fueling the human body. It's critical. That's what the main power source is for the human body. But I didn't know. We know that the brain was an absolute glutton for energy. But 5.7 kilograms. Of ATP per day? And that's when the mind is at rest. Now imagine, as Dr. Allen mentioned, those um, those uh, gamers, the video gamers, or people working at a computer. You know, there's not a lot of physical activity going on, but the brain is firing on all cylinders, especially for some of those games. Now, add in sport, where the brain is firing full tilt, and there's actual physical demands. If you don't supply the right energy, whether you feel it or not, you are not Operating at your highest level. It's not possible. It is not possible. Such a great, great discussion today. (laughs) And you know how Doc Brown and Marty had to rewind. Hey, what did I say there? What did I say? 1.21 gigawatts. (laughs) Um, That's something I will do with this show with Dr. Allen, rewind it. So I'm going to encourage you guys as well. Please. Share the show. This is an important conversation. The crushed war on sugar will continue, but this is what it's based on. Sugar is literally destroying potential and it's destroying our health as well. So uh, we take it very seriously. All right, we got to wrap it up. A big show today. Super long, but I think it was worth every single minute. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and thank you for sharing the show, family, friends, teammates. Uh, fellow coaches, administrators, employers, wherever. This is an important conversation. Um, And also want to thank Dr. Anduise Allen for her great, great information. It is groundbreaking stuff, truly is. And we're glad to be able to share it here and work with Dr. Allen as well. So that'll do it for today, everybody. Coming up in the next few weeks, we are going to talk about the return of sport. We're seriously going to get into the return for baseball because we're going to be watching with great interest. We're going to be talking more about talent, talent development. And of course, one of our main topics for 2020 is the downside of early specialization. That'll be coming up in the next few weeks as well. So thanks again for tuning in today. Now get out there, get better. And we'll talk to you next time right here
4: on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to
1: ride.
4: This is a place for my head quick picks on Radio Influence. This week, we're talking to pro wrestler and actor Aaron Stevens, the artist formerly known as Damian Sandow from the WWE. What am I doing? I was internalizing everything, internalizing everything. And, um, you know, I've actually never disclosed this on an interview before, but I, I was at a point where I had such a low opinion of myself. You know, I had pushed people closest to me and was pushing them away, and it was not because I didn't love them. It was because I didn't think enough of myself. You know, it was like, I don't deserve anyone. I'm this, I'm that, I'm nothing because I had equated everything, every bit of my existence with who I was or how someone was treating me. Um, and that to me, you know, that's, I don't believe in regrets in life. Um, but I, I think if we don't learn from the times when we have been less than what we could have been, you know, and and it took me years. It it took me years to, you know, I, I hopped into acting and I walked away from wrestling completely. I I just said, I can't deal with this anymore. It was such a bad taste in my mouth. And, you know, that wasn't the best decision because there was, I left no room for healing, you know, in terms of that, I I don't want to call it a wound, but you couldn't get, you you never found your closure. No, I didn't. And, you know, as as I kind of learned to be better with myself to forgive, um, you know, forgive myself, which was the hardest thing. And, um, you know, I, I've had some great opportunities, you know, some acting roles started coming up. Um, and then, you know, Billy Corgan, um, you know, the guy from the Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> is uh, who was a buddy of mine, you know, started his league. And I kind of I, I went there and I. It was so strange, like how I started to get this closure, but at the same time, like reignite my love for what this truly is. A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and Jerry P. Tuck can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.